text I've chosen for the sermon this morning is the verses 12 to 14 of 1 Peter 4. We'll read those verses again, 12 to 14 of 1 Peter 4. Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. But rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you also may be glad with exceeding joy. If you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you, for the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part he is blasphemed, but on your part he is glorified. So far, the text for the sermon. Beloved congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, quite a bit of the chapter from which we take our text and also part of the previous chapter are about suffering, suffering as a Christian, suffering for doing good. And when we hear about suffering as a Christian for doing good, for being a Christian, Maybe we immediately think of Christians in North Korea or in in Iran or Pakistan or so. You read about that in the news. Being uh, jailed for blasphemy against Allah or something. And a lot of Muslim nations, Christians are forbidden to evangelize. And Muslims who convert to the Christian faith can expect a lot of trouble from family or even from the authorities if they uh, convert to the Christian faith. People in those places would certainly identify with what Peter writes in 1 Peter 4 about suffering as a Christian and with what he says in our text about undergoing a fiery trial. But here in Canada, we as Christians enjoy a fair bit of freedom at this time. And so the apostles talk about suffering as a Christian might not seem all that relevant to our circumstances here. We don't suffer too much because we're Christians, do we? Or are we underestimating what Christians suffer here? Or are we maybe watering down what we stand for in order to avoid suffering for our faith? Things to think about in the light of our text, and I preach to you the word of God in the text with this theme, then suffering for the name of Christ. And we see two things mentioned here in our text first of all suffering is normal and secondly such suffering is blessed first of all suffering for the name of Christ is normal the apostle Peter writes at the beginning of our text beloved do not think it's strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you In other words, don't be surprised at what you're suffering and about to suffer as Christians, as a result of becoming Christians, because most of those people in the churches in Asia Minor to whom Peter was writing had come to faith as adults. They joyfully had joyfully embraced Christ and his salvation, and now they had real peace in their hearts. However, that peace in their hearts did not translate into peace in their surroundings. No, their surroundings, in fact, 
would not accept the change that had come about in their lives. Relatives and former friends were not happy with that change. And in many cases, the authorities were intolerant of that change that had come about in those people. And then you might wonder, why did the people around them have such a problem with their becoming Christians? They didn't hurt anybody. They lived good exemplary lives compared to the lives of so many others in those days, in their surroundings. They were a positive influence on those around them. They didn't get drunk. They didn't steal. They didn't swear anymore. They didn't cause a lot of trouble. They helped others. They were friendly. They were hospitable. They worked hard. They had a Christian work ethic. They did their best. They were faithful workers. Why weren't they given citizenship awards instead of being disdained by other people? Or why weren't they at least left alone to worship and live as they as they desired. If you think about it, it's actually amazing that Christians are persecuted, isn't it? Why would people who do their best to love God and their neighbor as the Bible calls them to, why would they be persecuted? Those Christians in Asia Minor didn't understand that either. Why were they now being mistreated? And apparently it was getting worse. Why were they now being treated like the dregs of society? Their lives were so much better than before. Didn't people see that they didn't have any bad intentions? Peter, however, says, don't think it's strange. Don't be surprised that you're being persecuted for being Christians. That's normal, he's saying. Don't be surprised means this is normal. And why is it normal? Well, Peter explains that in verse 13 of the text. Christians partake of Christ's sufferings. They share in what Christ suffered. The question why Christians are persecuted could just as well be asked about the Lord Jesus. Why was he, why did he have to suffer? Whatever did he do wrong when he was on earth? He only acted in perfect uprightness and complete holiness and with full compassion for others. He healed people. He fed multitudes. He helped the poor. He was an example to others in every way. And yet, people were uncomfortable with him. They despised him. They hated him, so many. They saw him as a holy roller who always knew better than they did, maybe. Just having him around bothered their conscience. And he said he was the son of God, which angered them even more. And see, Christians look like Christ in many ways. If they're Christians. Peter speaks of bearing the name of Christ, so it should not surprise be so no surprise if, if Christ suffered for being who he is, that Christians who follow him should suffer for being who they are. It's not strange if Christians find themselves scorned and hated like their Savior. Also in that, they follow Christ. 
And why is that? Well, notice that in chapter 4, verses 3 and 4, Peter writes that people will find it strange that Christians no longer go along with them in lewdness, drunkenness, revelries, drinking parties, and idolatries. And the apostle calls that a whole flood of dissipation. Christians are spoil sports when it comes to those kind of activities. They no longer take part in them. And then the people they hung around with, or even still hang around with, they don't like that, that they don't take part in those things. It bothers their conscience, actually. So they say to them, so, so now you think you're, you're better than we are. Come on, let yourself go. Take part in the fun. And that's exactly what those Christians in Asia Minor refused to do. Because their lives were now motivated by something completely different than satisfying their own desires and pleasures. Their aim was to live for their Savior now. To follow Him. Walk as He walked. And that caused a lot of antagonism. And they didn't look for that antagonism. But that's what the result was. By their walk of life, Christians cause other people who live mainly for themselves to feel uncomfortable and to have contempt for them. That's the way it is. Simply the way it is. And by now you might think, well, I'm exaggerating when I say that being a Christian normally is going to bring antagonism and even enmity. I don't really have to deal with a a lot of open hostility for being a Christian in my life. Oh yes, Christians are made fun of and scorned by many in the press and on the media, in the media in Canada. On the internet, you have all kinds of atheist websites which claim to disprove the Bible and deride the Christian faith. It's upsetting to see that, but it doesn't really keep you awake at night, does it? It isn't often that someone makes fun of you in your face personally because you're a Christian. There's still tolerance for Christians in Canada at least. However, Peter writes in our text that it's not strange at all if Christians suffer for being Christians. It's normal, he says. And what is abnormal then thinking about it the other way around, what's abnormal then is not to suffer as a Christian. And that's something we should think about in our circumstances today, isn't it? We actually live in an abnormal situation today. In fact, according to verse 14, we're missing out on a blessing even if we're not being reproached for the name of Christ. For whoever is reproached for that name receives the spirit of glory and of God, says Peter. And Christ is glorified through those who are being harassed because of the name of Christ. Something to think about, isn't it? It might be good to consider for a moment why it is that we as Christians aren't actually persecuted here in Canada. It could be that we're actually still experiencing some of our nation's Christian heritage. 
That's behind it, probably. The Christians Peter was writing to in his first letter lived in quite a different situation. The Christian faith was something very different and new and unique in those northern provinces of Asia Minor where paganism had reigned before. However, Canada used to predominantly be a Christian nation. And even though many churches also in our own region are shrinking away, that Christian background still has a lot of influence here in our country, in our region. There's still lots of vestiges of Christian norms and values here. So that has some influence. On the other hand, we all know too that there's a slow and steady process underway to push God and religion out of the public sphere altogether. Think of how over the past number of years our leaders have removed all restrictions on abortion so that it's totally no law connected with abortion anymore. Unborn life. It's open season on unborn life. And think of how, how the definition of marriage has changed so that same-sex marriage is being accepted by law. In spite of the Bible. Think of the push to eliminate prayer from the various levels of government. So, so you see there's, there is pressure building up against Christian norms and values and we all sense that unless some drastic changes happen, it's going to lead to growing intolerance of the Christian faith. And we ought to be ready for that. However, congregation, there could also be another reason behind the abnormal situation that we're not being reproached for the name of Christ. And that's a reason we have to take to heart. That is, that we as people of the Lord may be drawing back into our own little Reformed and Christian world. And that may not happen consciously, but we may be slowly and instinctively drawing back from others in, in order to avoid being reproached for the name of Christ. The less we have to do with non-Christians, the less we bring about negativity towards ourselves because of what we believe, so we have as little to do with non-Christians as possible. That can be a reaction. And it's not a good one. It's something we have to think about. Sure, we, we need each other to instruct and encourage each other. But that shouldn't be a drawing together to avoid confrontation with the world. It should be a drawing together to equip each other to speak out in the world, even if they hate what we have to say and despise what we stand for. And another reason why the abnormal situation today in which we're actually not suffering a lot for the name of Christ is maybe that we've become, maybe we've become indistinguishable from the world that lives without God. We blend in. That could be too. Peter speaks in verse 4 of chapter 4 about society running with a, a flood of dissipation in those days. And that means a whole culture of selfish indulgence and intemperance and immorality. You know, society today isn't all that much different, is it? Flood of dissipation today too. Self-centeredness, greed, substance abuse, immorality. 
breakdown of marriage, family, sadly enough. And, and you meet those kind of things daily at your work or at school or other social contacts. You're, you're asked to join in in those kind of dissipations. They assume you're, you, you are, you're into this too. You're invited to drinking parties or encouraged to share weed with fellow students or co-workers. Or you're just baited to take part in filthy talk. And if you go along with them in the same kind of things, if you just say nothing, nobody's going to bother you. But if you say you're not going to take part, and you say why as a Christian you're not going to take part, they're not going to be that friendly to you anymore. And they're fine with you believing what you do, but keep it to yourself, will you? Keep it at home. Especially if you tell someone who doesn't know the Lord about how much they need Him too. They sometimes can react by accusing you of intolerance of others. Or maybe they make fun of you because of that. Just react, for instance, in a Christian way to an atheistic blog on the internet and look at all the, in, the angry reactions you get. It makes people mad. It bothers them. Of course, that's not suffering actual persecution like the Christians do today in North Korea or in the Middle East, but, but it is suffering reproach for the name of Christ. And I'm not saying you have to look for that suffering. You know, go out and look for suffering. Try to get, make people mad at you for the name of Christ. And I'm not, not saying that, but the Apostle Peter says in our text that suffering is normal for Christians. For those who truly follow Jesus Christ. And that's what our Savior himself said too when he was still on earth. John 15. He said, a servant is no greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you. So don't be surprised at rejection because you, you stand up for Christ. But we don't have to be upset about that. For now, we come to the, the second part of the sermon this morning. Suffering for the name of Christ is blessed doesn't sound nice at all for Christians to hear that suffering for the name of Christ is normal, right? Not exciting to be a Christian then. Not a nice message from the Bible at all to hear that suffering is actually part and parcel of following Christ. And notice that Peter doesn't say in the text that that, that suffering is just temporary. No, if we're Christians but hardly ever suffer reproach for the name of Christ, then we have to examine ourselves why we haven't suffered. Because it belongs with true faith in Jesus Christ. You'd almost say, well, this is a pretty discouraging message, isn't it? However, Peter's message in our text about suffering as a Christian is very encouraging, actually, if you look at it carefully. He says in verse 13 that if you suffer as a Christian, you actually have reason to be happy. You're blessed. Rejoice even. In verse 14 he says that you're blessed if you're reproached for the name of Christ. You ought to be happy. 
Now, maybe that doesn't sound right to you at all. How can you rejoice at being made fun of or hated by others for being a Christian? But maybe Peter should talk to Christians who have been imprisoned or tortured for their faith, like in North Korea or the Middle East. Then he'd know how hard it is, nothing to be happy about or to feel blessed about. But congregation, Peter knew very well what being reviled for being Christian felt like and even being imprisoned for the Christian faith was like. He experienced that himself from his own people in Israel. You can read about it in the book of Acts. He also knew something else. He knew that when you suffered for the sake of Christ, you received extra strength from the Lord so that you found an extra measure of peace and joy in him in spite of what you had to suffer. Yes, the Spirit blesses you with an extra measure of courage and peace in your suffering. And then you find even joy in suffering for the name of Christ because especially then you identify with Christ. Think of the Savior's life on earth. It was a whole lifelong journey of humiliation and rejection. It was as the prophet Isaiah prophesied about him already in the Old Testament, Isaiah 53, verse 3. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. How was the Lord Jesus in He suffered rejection by the people he had come to save. They said, crucify him. And he died and rose again and ascended into heaven in triumph. Through suffering as a man, he entered the eternal joy of his Father in heaven. He did that for us, for others. And congregation, when we suffer reproach for the name of Christ, we're following our Savior in that. Then we see we're following him. We realize, we realize we're assured of that. It's an assurance that we're really joined to him and are on the way to his glory too. And that's why Peter speaks of partaking, sharing in Christ's suffering in verse 13. The more you share in Christ's suffering, the more you'll also rejoice in belonging to him. And the more you'll also look forward to being with him in his eternal glory. No, suffering is not nice. But through it, you receive assurance. You're on the track, on the right track with Jesus Christ to sharing in his glory and joy in heaven. Now you might think, that's still not a very positive message to say that suffering in in this life is good because, as a Christian, is good because it makes you look forward to some kind of perfect joy in the distant future. In the meantime, you're suffering here. But, congregation, it is a positive message in a number of ways. Just think it through. In the first place, notice that Peter speaks, verse 12, of that suffering for the sake of Christ being a fiery trial. Don't be surprised at this fiery trial that's coming over you. Fiery trials are like the refining of gold or silver. They purify you so that you see more and more clearly who God is for you. That's a blessing and joy which comes out of suffering for Christ. 
you know God better. In the second place, suffering reproach for the name of Christ, suffering for saying and doing the right thing, makes you happy because you keep a good conscience in spite of the other people who are upset because they don't like it. They have a bad conscience for what they're doing, and they don't like it when you show them you're wrong. they're wrong. You keep a good conscience. You're not suffering for doing wrong, but for doing right. And there's satisfaction in that, peace in that. Keeping a clear conscience is a blessing that gives you joy. In the third place, it's an honor to suffer something for Christ who suffered so much for you, you can't even fathom what he went through for you. It doesn't matter what other people think of me. What matters is what my Savior and Lord thinks of me. And how blessed it is then to just even have a little tiny share in his sufferings. And finally, notice what Peter says, verse 14. The spirit of glory and of God rests on you when you suffer reproach for Christ's name. And that means that God isn't far away, but his spirit is with you in your suffering in a, in, in a special way. The spirit of God is with you when you suffer for Christ's name. Think of when someone at school or at work ridicules what you say or what you say you stand for according to the Bible. If you're vilified for not taking part in a drinking party or drug par- a party along with others in a group. You might think, oh, I'm going to feel all alone then. Everybody's against me. No, you are not alone. God is close to you at exactly those times in a very special way. The spirit of glory and of God rests on you when you suffer reproach for Christ's name. And Christians who have been persecuted in the past have experienced that very powerfully. They felt God very close and their suffering didn't make them weaker, but it made them stronger in their conviction that Christ alone is the life. No congregation suffering for the name of Christ, whether due to words or to physical attacks, are not negative. They're not things we need to be afraid of or avoid as much as possible by compromise or so. No, it means you are blessed. You are blessed when you suffer. When people are upset with you for being a Christian, it makes believers strong and joyful in the Lord. A lot of people are looking for happiness today. You know, they look for it in health or wealth or relationships. But the joy in those things is fleeting and be, can be gone just like that. The pleasure. If you want real blessing and peace and joy, you need to look in the other direction. And you need to be ready and willing to give up things and to suffer for the name of Jesus Christ. Suffer reproach. And then your joy becomes extremely deep. And it'll last forever if you're willing to, to do that. Amen.